Bibles to Luke 1, starting at verse 26. And that might sound familiar to you because it was the same passage that we read last week. And um, we are going to add a few verses to the end so that we move forward in the story a little bit today. But um, we are mostly reading the same passage as last Sunday morning. Luke 1, starting at verse 26, page 1016 of your Pew Bibles. It's a sermon series during Advent on um, expecting, and we're really focusing on the character and the activity of Mary, the mother of Jesus, during this series. And we're asking along the way what lessons we can learn from Mary in our expectation of the arrival of Christ. And so um, this this great passage where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary um, is worthy of two weeks, probably five or six weeks of consideration. We'll just take two weeks to look at this passage. In coming weeks, we'll um, move forward with the story with other passages as well. Uh, Last Sunday, as we read this passage, we were considering Mary's character. And then today, we'll focus a little bit more on Mary's actions. And so, um, we don't want to draw too, too much distinction between character and actions because really, they are inseparable. Um, But it's worthy of our attention to come back to this passage and ask what Mary did when responding to Gabriel's message for her, that she would be with child, that her child would be the Son of God. And so, as we read the same passage today as last Sunday, let's think about Mary's faith and how it prompts her to respond, how it prompts her to act in the way that God called her to. So let's read the passage starting at Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We see in this story a truly amazing irony 
the one who is highly favored describes herself as a servant. The one who is called highly favored, blessed, refers to herself at the end of the story as a slave or a servant. No matter what culture you live in, every culture throughout time, whether it's first century Middle Eastern culture or our culture today, people generally do not associate being highly favored with being a servant. The goal for so many people in this culture and in ours today is to get to the top. And that means, in people's minds, that you won't have to serve anymore. That's what it means to be favored, to mean to be successful. The blessed people are the ones being served. But not in Christianity. Not in our faith. Not in the life of Christ um, on this earth and, and not in the life of Mary. Those who receive God's grace will live like Jesus and will be servants. So as we apply lessons from Mary's life to our lives today, we want to do so in the three phases of how, what we see unfolding in this passage and looking to some other scriptures as well this morning. And we'll think, first, how did Mary immediately respond to this call to serve the Lord in a special way? And then we'll think, how did Mary continue in in the, the sort of short term, in the intermediate stage, to follow God's commands. And then we'll even look at a passage later in um, Mary's story to see that she continued to live a life of service long after this annunciation from Gabriel. So first we look at Mary's immediate response. She's told she's highly favored. She's carrying the Son of God in her womb. It's an amazing revelation from God for her, an amazing thing that God is doing. Her immediate response is amazing. First she asks some questions about how this will work, and then she turns and says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Recognizing her status as the Lord's servant, Mary accepts what God is calling her to do. This shows that she trusts God. That she knows God's way is best. That she believes the word of God that he sent through the angel Gabriel. She believes it. And and it's not just a kind of head knowledge belief, but she trusts God. And that's what it really means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in the Lord, is then to act in a way that shows that we believe. And this is how Mary responds. Now, the Lord had given her a difficult task, and she believes that he's going to be with her through it. So she proclaims herself a servant of the Lord because she believes that the task will be worthwhile. Gabriel answered her questions about how she would be be pregnant, and then it it doesn't take Mary a few days to warm up to the idea or a few weeks to kind of process this information. Her immediate response shows us an amazing example of obedience to God. I am the Lord's servant. Let's take a moment to dissect Mary's description of herself, that little self-description, I am the Lord's servant. Which word in that 
description gets the most attention in in your mind. We could think of Mary saying, I am the Lord's servant. And in that emphasis, you see the thinking is about how good it is to belong to the Lord. How good it is to serve the Lord, the living God, a God full of love and grace, a God who is holy, a God who is powerful. That's the one that we serve. And so maybe we could give some attention to, to that, the middle part of the description. I am the Lord's servant. But what about the final word as well? Servant. I am the Lord's servant. And so that's a humbling way of referring to ourselves. One who serves is one who, who takes orders. One who serves is someone um, without power over the master, but one who submits, uh, in Mary's case, certainly willingly to what the master instructs. And so I love this description that Mary gives because it shows us the blessing and also the responsibility and the command of God's will for her and God's will also for us as well. And so as you think of yourself, do you think I am the Lord's servant. That you would belong to God. That you are among the people of God. That you are drawn out of of the world and into the family of God. Or do you think, I am the Lord's servant. (laughs) That, That even with this lofty description of ourselves as belonging to the Lord, we still serve. We still follow God's commands. We obey God. Mary says she is a servant, but her master is the Lord. She is among the chosen people of God, but she is a servant. The great pastor Tim Keller was once once preaching about this matter of humility and serving the Lord. And uh, he, he was he was giving this this message in it was actually a secular context. It was a conversation um, on a university campus where I was watching him, him give a lecture. And, and he was talking about how people often get it wrong in understanding what God is like or what it means to be a religious person. And he said, any real encounter with God will humble you. Unfortunately, that's not what always happens even in um, congregations and churches in, in our culture where, where people would come to God or they would come to church to kind of feel good about themselves, to exalt themselves, to even set themselves up on a kind of moral high ground over other people. But Tim Keller had noted that, that when you really encounter God, you will be humbled. And, and he said in that lecture, we need a view of God that humbles us. And of course, we know that that, that humility isn't just a shoving us down or keeping us down, but, but there's this paradox that happens when we are humbled in the presence of God. We're actually also exalted into his presence more fully as well. So Tim Keller, in that, that talk that he was giving, was confronting the kind of pharisaical approach that many people have to religion, where religion or church can become something that we use to exalt ourselves over other people. 
But if you really know God, if you really know Jesus Christ, if you really consider your own sin and your own need for salvation, you will be humbled. God is so great and we are so unworthy of being called His people. And yet, amazingly, we belong to Him through Jesus Christ. So we need this view of God that Mary had, considering ourselves to belong to the Lord, but also to be His servants. Mary knew the Lord, she knew that she belonged to Him, and she knew that she was His servant. Jesus said this in John 12, verse 26, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. It's the same irony that's happening in in that statement of Jesus, that you get to be with Jesus, the Lord of life, the Prince of Peace, all of the descriptions that we heard from Marilyn and Jake earlier. This, this king of kings, you get to be with him, says Jesus in John 12, 26, and you must follow him and be his servant and follow after him. My father, he said, will honor the one who serves me. Again, that's John 12, 26. Now, there could be a thousand applications of this, um, this teaching, of this little statement that Mary makes about herself but I would prefer to focus on one application today. How does it sound to you to be God's servant? To serve the Lord. What happens in your heart when you hear that description of the Christian life? There are other ways of describing the Christian life. There are certainly benefits to being a Christian and those benefits get so much of our attention and, and often maybe we would open our Bibles looking for those, those evident benefits, but, but here we find a description of ourselves as servants of God. What happens in your heart when you hear that God calls you to serve? Mary's immediate response to that call on her life, may it be to me as you have said. Thy will be done. And you who are highly favored, you who are recipients of God's grace in Christ, also are called to be servants. The famous words of John Calvin are helpful here, where the reformer was known to say, I give you my heart, Lord, promptly and sincerely. Here we find a great example in Mary's life of that prompt sincere giving of her heart and trusting of her whole life to the Lord. Is that your response when you read the Word of God? A prompt and sincere obedience to God's will. An immediate response that says, yes, this is the way to live. When the Spirit is really working in your heart and in your mind and you find the commands of God, whether it's the Ten Commandments or in the Sermon on the Mount or some description of a godly life in the Scriptures, when the Spirit is at work in you, you would say, that's the way to live. And with God's help, I'm going to live that way and serve God in that way. To offer our hearts promptly and sincerely. To be humble before God by serving Him. This is what we practice during a worship service. And you can actually practice this 
during every worship service, certainly whenever you open your Bible at home or when you listen to praise music during the course of, of your week when you have your daily devotions, but it also happens during a worship service where um, really throughout our service, I invite you to, to do different things during the church service. And so I, I invite you to, to start the service. We rise and receive God's greeting. So that's a command. And, and if we have the, the Spirit of God at work within us, reflecting the same attitude of Mary, we would say, yes, immediately standing, I need to receive God's grace this morning. And then it happens at every point in the worship service. Let's stand and sing. And hopefully what is happening in your heart is, yes, I give you my heart, Lord, promptly and sincerely. I'm going to sing to you now. Moving forward in the service, we think of confessing our sin before God. When the Spirit is at work in you, you would immediately respond, yes, I must do this right now. Or praying for other people during a worship service. Does your heart respond to that call to pray for other people? Yes, it's time to pray. It's good for me to live God's way, to serve the Lord, and to even serve the church in a way by praying for one another. We practice all of this in worship, and so hopefully you're practicing these things also in your own uh, life outside church as well. What happens in worship will hopefully be training you to immediately respond to God's call to serve him with obedience. And even as we think about being the Lord's servant, it's important to add that this doesn't call you to refuse a promotion at work. This doesn't call you to, to sort of just a, a eke out a meager existence. But you could serve the Lord as a CEO. You could serve the Lord as a wealthy person. You could serve the Lord in, in all walks of life, but always, whether you're at the top of the corporation or at an intro-level job, to approach each one with the spirit of humility. To be in each calling that God gives you the Lord's servant. You belong to the Lord, but you're certainly never above the Lord or above you know, sort of lording it over people. And so we are the Lord's servants wherever God calls us. Moving forward uh, a little bit on the timeline of Mary's life and in her response, we read about what she did after Gabriel departed from her. The, we would call this the intermediate response, where immediately she, she says, yes, I'm the Lord's servant. Then what does she do after this? In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered into the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And so we, I call this the intermediate response. This, isn't, this is between immediate and long-term. This is kind of how things worked out for her in the days and weeks ahead. And her obedience continued. She was excited to go see Elizabeth because she believed what Gabriel had said about her. So, I love that little description of Mary arose and went with haste. Haste is not really a word that we would use often. We sing it in a Christmas song, haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. It means to hurry, to be um, enthusiastic in our going. And so Mary enthusiastically 
continued in this service of the Lord, believing what Gabriel had said. She went to see Elizabeth to confirm what Gabriel had told her. So when she saw Elizabeth was pregnant, the words of Gabriel were confirmed to her. If Mary hadn't risen up in haste, if she hadn't taken the long trip to Judah, Nazareth is in the north of Israel and Judah is in the south of Israel. And so this was no quick trip down the road. This would have taken planning and forethought and a lot of effort from Mary. If she had just kind of thought about getting around to it later, she would not have been as encouraged as she was when she put her faith in God and went with haste to go and confirm the message of Gabriel. Maybe she would have spent time wondering if this was really true of her or of Elizabeth, but she wanted to see the confirmation for herself, and so she went right away to see her cousin Elizabeth. So Mary's actions reminded me of a parable that Jesus told about a man who found a treasure in a field. And the whole parable is actually one verse, and so we'll see it on the screen. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his, in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And so we can see there... Um, a man who, who makes an amazing discovery, a treasure in a field. And the attention in this parable is on that intermediate. What does he do? Of course, immediately he's excited to find a treasure in a field, but he follows through with selling everything he had. In joy, he even sold all that he had, and he went and bought the field. He, he followed through with this immediate commitment that, that he had made, this immediate discovery. And so the servant of God will fulfill their duty, remembering what they have been given and what God has promised. That's like the kingdom of God, is, is the person who not only has a good experience in church or finds an amazing truth in the word of God, but the one who lives in the kingdom of God then will follow through and live in a way that is in accordance with the truth that you hear, the grace that you receive. So, we aren't God's servants because of the possibility that it might be good to follow Jesus. Sometimes I hear people kind of dipping their toe in the water of Christianity and often that's their question. Is it going to be advantageous for me to live in this way? Will it hopefully work out for me in how I want to live my life? That's often how people approach the church. But brothers and sisters, we serve and we are Christians because of what we have already been given, life in Christ. Like the man in the parable, he has found the treasure in the field, and so he acts in a way that is in accordance with having found this thing of great value. And that's the Christian life as well. We've already received so much in Christ that we now live a life of gratitude, of servitude to the Lord, following through, doing ministry, building relationships, um, living in the church with one another. So, we serve out of gratitude for the treasure we've received. We also know that God will fulfill the promises that he's made to bless those who seek him. So it's possible that you have responded well at different points in your life 
in an immediate sense, but maybe today the Spirit would challenge you in this intermediate phase of your obedience and your service to the Lord. Uh, This is one of the things that, that could be an error at times with evangelical American culture is that there's so much emphasis on the moment of decision, the immediate response to hearing the gospel, that it could take away from the call to live a life of humble obedience, reading your Bible, praying, loving your neighbors, in the sort of work-a-day existence that we have. So, thinking again of the parable, I think it's common for people to get distracted between that time of finding the hidden treasure and selling everything that they have to go and buy that field. Hopefully you could understand what I mean by that. Like, we would find a treasure... But it's so easy to get distracted, off track, in going to sell all that we had and really giving up our life. In what Jesus said right before that passage in John 12, dying to ourselves and being risen with him. Taking up your cross daily and following him. That's what the intermediate stage or response of the Christian is to God's call on us. Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Commit to being faithful to God, not just while you're at church, but make a whole life commitment. When you sign up for a Bible study, follow through and go every time. When you sign up for a ministry in church, come with a good attitude to bless other people every time. When you, when you get a promotion at work, that you know could put you in a place of influence. Go into that with a servant's heart, the heart of Christ, every time. Not just immediately when it's really exciting to to get involved in a new ministry or a Bible study or to have something new happening at work, but but when the Spirit's at work in you, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And and you'll you'll show self-control and diligence in following through not just for a little while, but the Christian does throughout your whole life. And so we see Mary doing that uh, right after. In the same way that she was blessed to receive confirmation of God's word for her when she saw Elizabeth, your faith will grow stronger as you follow through with those commitments that that you made uh, at church or at work or in your life. Your faith will grow as you live for Christ. Now, finally, What about the long-term? This long-term devotion of Mary. Um, Mary embraced God's will immediately. May it be to me as you have said, she said. And then in the short term, we see right away she went to Judah to see Elizabeth. But what about her later years? There's this great story in John 2. 30 years later. 30 years, it's a long time. What is Mary's disposition towards serving the Lord? Uh, the story in John 2, where Mary makes a brief appearance, is the, the feast um, at the wedding in Cana, Jesus' first miracle. And so maybe some of you know the story pretty well. It's one of Jesus' more famous miracles that they're at this wedding as a family. Mary is there. And 
they run out of wine, and it's a, sort of a, a thing that brings shame upon the host of the wedding. And so there's this problem happening kind of behind the scenes. They've run out of wine. They come to Mary asking maybe what they could do, and, and they bring Jesus into the scenario, into the situation. And, and we can kind of easily imagine a, a little huddle of people at, at a wedding where there's Jesus and Mary and the servants trying to figure out what the servant's trying to figure out what to do about running out of wine. And, and there's this amazing statement that Mary makes in John 2, 5. She points them to talk to Jesus and she says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. That's the way to live. That's what Mary has learned for 30 years now. That to do whatever God tells you, whatever Jesus says, is the right way. That's what's best. I love that little, just five words. So on the nose, isn't it? Isn't this what we need to hear? Do whatever he tells you. Now in that context, it's to to pour water into some jars, which Jesus miraculously turns to wine. For us today, it's whatever we read in the Word of God. Do whatever it says. Believe whatever it teaches. We are the Lord's servants. To obey Him is to believe what He said and to go where He sends. What an amazing, just little statement that we could almost miss in reading that miracle story. But this confirms that Mary has continued serving the Lord, has continued growing in her faith in the Lord throughout her life, and, and her faith is so strong, 30 years of, of raising Jesus. I mean, what an amazing privilege it would have been for her to see the Lord Jesus growing up. And, and she sees, uh, the Bible says, him, him growing in wisdom and stature before the Lord. And he would have been an adult for many years now, and she would have had all of these interactions with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God incarnate, all of these amazing lessons she's been learning from him as she's spent these 30 years. And here's this situation that seems like it's out of control, and she says, he will know what to do. So do whatever he tells you. In that little command to the servants at the wedding, we learn that Mary has lived all of this time trusting the Lord and she has cared for Jesus and seen that his way of life is the right way, is the good life, is, is beautiful, is, is truly good in the fullest sense. So Mary is this positive example of persevering in faith, of being the Lord's servant, of proving again and again that following God is good, that being his servant is um, a life of blessing. In the Old Testament, just as we close, we have a, a negative example of someone who was ready to give up, and the Lord responded very powerfully to Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, at, in Isaiah 49, he has just had it with Israel, and he's been serving the Lord for a really long time. This is the, the long-term response. He, you might recall the beginning of the story, Here I am, Lord, send me, says Isaiah to the Lord. He has this amazing encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6. 
Uh, he sees the, the angels in the temple and is just full of awe with, before God. He's humbled in God's presence. And, and he has a long ministry that follows after this. Of, it's a ministry of rejection after rejection after rejection as kings and the nation of Israel go the opposite way of following God. And in Isaiah 49, he's ready to give up. Hear what God says. In Isaiah 49, 3-6, an amazing passage. This is Isaiah speaking. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, this is Isaiah, I have labored to no purpose, and I have spent my strength in vain for nothing. Yet, what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So serving the Lord, obeying his word, and trusting him is always the right thing to do. I love to hear testimonies of people who have lived a long life of knowing Jesus, hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, and serving in the church. And so often, it's from those elderly saints that I would hear things just like what Mary said. Do whatever he tells you. We are the Lord's servants. Nothing more and nothing less. We are the Lord's people, but we are his servants. I love to sit down with faithful, elderly members of our church members in my family as well. I was just talking with my 97-year-old grandmother about this this past week. It is good to follow the Lord. So just as Mary had trusted the Lord immediately and showed her faith had grown and, and she trusted him 30 years later, so we're surrounded by people who have known, who have learned. It's so good to trust in Jesus, to prove that he is good. We serve the Lord by finding ways to serve him in church, finding ways to serve him in your home, approaching your relationships with the spirit of service where you work, in your conversations even. Would you approach somebody and think, I'm going to approach this conversation with the spirit of service. I want to serve this person. Instead of just trying to turn the conversation to me, my accomplishments, what I'm up to, I just want to know what's happening in their life to encourage them. We are the Lord's servants. When you are in Christ, you are the Lord's servant. And so to accept that identity is to to live a truly blessed life with Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, 